Good evening. Uh, it's great to see everybody tonight. I'm so thankful uh, to be here. I'm thankful to be here with y'all. I'm even more thankful, no offense, to be here with my family. I'm thankful for this opportunity. You see, being all the way down in Georgia, I don't get to uh, speak in front of my family very often. Uh, I half was waiting for my parents to drive over from Columbia. I guess they don't love me that much. Uh, And walk through the back door, uh, but I'll give them a private session uh, tomorrow as their Christmas present. Uh, Chelsea gets those in the car. Uh, In 2013, uh, Peachtree City is going to be our year of passion. Uh, Over the past, uh, about four years ago, uh, we sat down and in our planning meeting, we made 10 themes, uh, broke down the plans for the next 10 years. Uh, And I was in charge of heading it up. And when doing this, and I had 20 listed and we narrowed it down to 10, uh, this was my favorite. Uh, This was my most excited I was for a year. Uh, And so going into 2013, I'm so excited to get ready for the year of passion. Uh, and thinking about that tonight, and thinking about passion, and thinking about being excited, um, I don't watch a lot of commercials anymore. Uh, I watch TV, uh, I won't deny that, uh, but I don't watch a lot of commercials because I have a DVR. Uh, but one commercial that always stuck out to me because I don't think their ad slogan has really changed is, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Uh, and the whole basic premise of this uh, commercial is that you have this chocolatey ice cream goodness, uh, and you have one left or one extra. Uh, and the guy wants it so badly that he's looking at it and he sees that look in the other guy's eye and he says, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Uh, and you see these crazy things that they're willing to do because they want it so bad. Uh, tonight I'm thinking about that. I want to ask you a question of how bad do you want it? Or better, how bad do you want God? Uh, how bad do you want to be with God? How bad do you want to be closer with God. Now we think about this with passion. When we want something really badly, first off, we move. Uh, You move. Uh, We take a lot of pride in the Church of Christ in in finding our history in the restoration movement. I mean, think about this. We often, I think, forget what that second word was, the restoration movement. You see, these men that we put up on a pedestal, they were excited to be a part of something special. Special And what they wanted to be a part of was not something that was standing still. It was not something that was lifeless. It was something that was moving and living and breathing. The restoration of New Testament Christianity isn't about what we do in a building alone. It's about what we do outside a building. And that's what they were most excited about. I mean, think about that heritage and being excited about being a part of a movement. It means that as Christians, we're called to move. Uh, And you're like, you're moving back and forth. And this podium's huge, so I'm going to get a lot of exercise. Uh, That we move when we are Christians. Uh, There's been a shift in the meaning of the word church uh, throughout history. Now, growing up in the Church of Christ, uh, I think most people associate it with the people. Uh, And we would say, no, Bo, I understand that it doesn't mean this building. I understand that it's all about the people. And that's what the church really is. But while we can say it with our words... Oh, I can say it all day long and mean it, I think. Our actions don't usually reflect uh, or rarely reflect in our lives what we truly feel about the church. Uh, you think about this and back to the original meaning uh, with Ecclesia, that it was, it was an assembling of people uh, called out for a purpose. An assembling of people with a purpose. And right across this uh, road out front, uh, we have a high school. Uh, we have a school, and I know everybody here has been in the in assembly before. 
You see, and there's a difference in an assembly and in a sim bling. You see, when you have an assembly at school, you come in and you don't know what you're getting into. Uh, you come in and you sit there. Uh, you walk in and you know you've got some guest speaker. Uh, you've got somebody who is going to talk to you about something. And maybe you get excited. Uh, maybe it changes your life temporarily. Uh, maybe it makes you cry. Maybe it makes you laugh. But it rarely changes people's lives. You see the difference in the assembly and the assembling is people that are already changed. The assembling of the church is about people that come together and already have a purpose. They come together with a purpose to go out and to move within our community. So I'd ask you a question tonight. Are we moving or are we simply meeting? Are we assembling? Because when you assemble a group of people in assembling, it is assembling a group of people and you have this purpose and you've got a plan and you get together and you go out. Are we assembling or are we just in assembly? Are we making an impact simply with inside these walls or are we making an impact in our communities and what we're doing every single day out there? So we don't just move. Uh, first off, you move. Uh, but second off, you ask. You say, Bo, I get it. Uh, we're supposed to do something. Uh, that's what movement is. Uh, we're supposed to do something with our life. It's not supposed to just be about what we do on Sundays. It's not just about what we do here. But what do we do? And that's why I say, secondly, we, you ask. In Matthew 7, in verse 7 and 8, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. See, we love this passage. Uh, we love this passage because, hey, if I read it, it says, ask, and I'm going to get it. Uh, but, but I think sometimes when it comes to wanting to know what we're supposed to do with our faith, how we're supposed to live it out passionately and actively in our life, we're like, God, show me something. Okay, I'm good. I, I asked, Bo, I asked what I was supposed to do, and nothing happened. But see, there's a difference here. When we're asking, uh, asking means that you're really searching for it. Uh, that, that you're willing to talk to God, that you're willing to pray to God daily. Seeking means that you're actually looking for something. Uh, you think about playing the game hide and seek. Uh, it isn't this picture of somebody goes and hides. Maybe you do this as a cruel joke to your kids, but they don't go and hide and you leave them there. They go and hide and you do what it takes to find it out. When it comes to God's plan for us, when it comes to getting these things and getting clarity in our life, that we seek it out and then knock. Uh, my neighborhood, my Chelsea neighborhood, is loaded with Jehovah's Witness. I don't think they live there, but they're always there, so they might as well. And uh, they are persistent. I have some respect for them because of how persistent they are. Because over and over again, they will go to the same houses and knock. And knowing that last week they got the door slammed in their face, uh, knowing that the week before that they got the same reaction, knowing that they might not ever get it open. You know, with our faith, with searching this out, with figuring things out, you have to understand that knocking means you keep knocking until something happens. You keep knocking until a door opens. A lot of people, I think, are trying to find what they should do. Uh, trying to figure out, okay, Bo, maybe your gift's preaching. Wesley, maybe your gift's preaching. And, and you figured that out. Uh, maybe this is what you're going to do in your way of service. But what am I supposed to do? Uh, what am I supposed to do? I tried one thing. I tried it out, and it, and it didn't work. Uh, so what now? 
that you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking, you keep figuring it out until you figure it out. Uh, you see, passion, uh, it's so, with passion, it's so importantly, important to constantly ask because passion is so easy to get misplaced within our life. Now, I don't think there's anybody here that doesn't have an area of their life that they live with passion. Uh, they live it out very passionately. Uh, right now, there's a common phrase, and I try to only use it with sarcasm, uh, but adults, I'll explain to you, it's YOLO. And what that means is you only live once. Maybe it was your retreat theme this year. I don't know. It was like 80 different churches retreat themes this year. Uh, but it, the concept of the word is great. Uh, you only live once. It's just that it's not really understood. Uh, it's abused right now. Uh, the way we take it, the way a lot of people will take it is, YOLO, I can live really stupidly. Uh, YOLO, I can do whatever I want. YOLO, I should go jump off a bridge uh, into Pickwick or into the Tennessee River. Either one is fine. Uh, don't do that, guys. Uh, but YOLO seems to free people up to live like their only life. Uh, and it's a passion-filled life. But when it comes to our faith, YOLO has to be lived out with purpose. Uh, in Romans 10, verse 1 through 4. Paul says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Christ is the culmination of the law. You see what he was saying here? They're doing it backwards. When it came to the Israelites, they'd been doing it backwards for a long time. You see, we can have lots of passion, but if we're not asking the questions, if we're not trying to find any sort of direction within our personal lives, our personal spiritual lives, with a church families, if we're not asking those questions, if we're not, if we're zealous, but for our own righteousness, uh, then we've missed the whole purpose. This can mean that in our life, we can have passion for lots of things. And and we get how passion in most areas can get uh, out of place with money. Uh, everybody's known somebody whose passion is money. Maybe it's yours. Uh, whose passion is money and it's got uh, messed up. It's gotten jacked up because it runs their life. Uh, probably most people in here have effect, been affected by addiction of some sort. If you watch somebody that's an addict, you know that it controls their life. They're pretty much, if you break it down the way we should live passionately in our faith, they're the definition of passion. Uh, A drug addict, it controls their every thought while that's controlling them. Uh, Everything they do every day is about satisfying that need. And get this, we can have our passion messed up even when it comes to our God. That, That we can be living passionately, but not living on purpose and not living in the way that God meant for us to live passionately. Uh, You ask, you move, and you keep going. Uh, You keep going. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 9, uh, Paul talks about the fact that we run in a race. And he paints this picture of a race. He says, we all run in a race, but I run in a way that I can win it, that I may obtain the prize. You see, we keep going. And then later in Philippians 3, he says, I've not already obtained, nor am I perfected, but nevertheless, I press on toward the call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm not there yet. And, And the wording here paints this picture of somebody who is striving continually, who keeps going no matter what gets in their way. Uh, My middle school football coach, 
uh, one day, uh, we'd had a long practice. At the end of a long practice, he set us down. And he, or he didn't set us down. He said, y'all are going to run. And we ran, and we ran, and we ran some more. And then we ran a little more as one of those where guys throwing up in the corner. Uh, everybody's dropped to their knees. And finally, he gathers us up at the end, and he looks at us. And he kind of stares for a second. He says, y'all think you worked hard today, don't you? Yes, sir, we do. Uh, Thank you for finally acknowledging that. He says, you think you've worked hard because you ran until it hurts. You haven't worked hard until you ran until it hurts and you kept going until it stopped hurting. We probably have some runners in here or somebody who's just done something physically strenuous to get this fully. Uh, There's that, that point where you run, you get that pinch in your side. That pinch in your side that makes you want to quit, that hurts, that feels like somebody's literally stabbing you. But then if you keep going, if you press through the pain, eventually it subsides and you get that second win and you keep going. You see, with our faith, with people, there are a lot of people that run towards God until it hurts. It's really easy to run towards God until the pain starts. And what we have to have an understanding with keeping on going is that we run till it starts, but then we know our price. Then, then we know what's actually out there. We know what the end goal is. We know what it is on the other side. And because of that, we don't stop and we run through the pain. You keep going. And I'll take it a, a little further. It's not that you don't stop. It's not that you keep going. It's that you can't stop. Uh, there's a difference here. Uh, Passion is seen in our lives all the time. Uh, It's seen in so many different ways. It's seen in the word YOLO because nobody will say it in two years. Uh, It's seen in our music because we make choices of music that we think, I will never stop listening to that. And then we stop listening to it. Uh, It's made for me in the front tuck. Uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about? I used to do the front tuck all the time. I hope it comes back. It's probably not going to. Uh, You just tuck in the very front of your shirt if you don't know. Uh, That we have these fad fads that we're passionate about that lasts for a little bit, but then they fade. Then we have those other things in our life that we know are there. These things that are our true passions. I was born a Tennessee fan, uh, and as as has been shown over the last few years, living close to Alabama and in the state of Georgia, close to Auburn, where I could have easily changed if I was going to, I didn't. I think I'm a Tennessee fan for life now. Uh, That it's in my blood is something I'm truly passionate about, something that's not fading. So Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16, he says, For when I preach the gospel, I can't boast. Since I'm compelled to preach, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He says, what Paul was saying is, I just can't not do it. But when it came to Paul's life, Paul wasn't saying he didn't have other skill sets. It was the exact opposite with Paul. There are, there are lots of other things that he could have done, lots of other choices in life that he could have followed, other paths, but he's saying, He had this passion for it that teaching the gospel to people that woe is me if I don't do it. And in finding this passion area of your life and the way you're going to serve God, there should be this feeling that I'm not saying there aren't bad days. There are. Uh, I'm not saying there aren't tough days where you think maybe I'll go do something else with my life. But there's an ache in your soul that when that hits, you know you can't stop. And where our faith is real, there's an ache in your soul that no matter what happens, you know that you can't stop. Uh, and that means that you've got to get it back. Uh, you've got to get it back. When, you, when you've lost it, 
Uh, when it's something that you want so badly, uh, you'll do anything to get it back. In Psalm 42, one of my favorite passages, in verse 1 through 4, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throne. See, these are words that most people know the first couple of verses. Uh, we sing them all the time. Uh, we know them by heart. Even if you didn't know you could quote some scripture, that you could quote some scripture. That as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you. What hit me in reading this was in verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. And listen to this, with shouts of joy and praise. With shouts of joy and praise. You see, there's a thirsting here, a deep thirsting, because it was something he used to have, a way that he used to be, and he knows that he needs it back desperately. Uh, Maybe you come here because it's not just here. Uh, it's every church building in the country. Uh, that you come in here and you get this feeling. That, that when you are coming here, when you're coming to anything with the church, that you have this feeling, a little twinge within you that says, man, I, I used to be excited. Uh, used to, when I would come here, I couldn't wait to get in there. I couldn't wait to be with these people. I couldn't wait to get out there and be with them. I couldn't wait to serve with them every single day. I used to, I used to, I used to. And when you have something like that, you will do anything to get it back, whatever it takes. I watched a video. Uh, You should look it up, especially guys, if you like training and stuff. But uh, I think it was titled, How Bad Do You Want It? Uh, And it was a guy who was training for the NFL draft three or four years ago. And there's a guy that's doing a little kind of sermon in the background while he's training. And he gets this point at the end. The sermon is about an old guru who's talking to a young buck, who's trying to figure things out, trying to make it. And he says, meet me at the beach. And so he meets him at the beach, and he shows up in a suit and tie. And he says, come into the water with me. And so they, they walk out into the ocean. As they get out into the ocean, and it's kind of funny if you're just listening at first, the guy puts him under the water. The older guy puts him under the water, and he starts to hold him there. And he holds him there, and he holds him there. And right before... He's about to totally run out of air, pass out. He allows him up. And he says to him, until you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, you won't be successful. And you think about this with passion in our life. Until we want God in the way that we want breath, in the way that I think the psalmist describes it here. Until we want him with all of our being. We've got to get him. We've got to have him. We've got to want him in this way. And maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you're drowning spiritually. Uh, You feel like you're drowning spiritually. And maybe it's a time in your life where you're just trying to get a little air. uh, Where you're under the water and you can even see the top and you're just trying to stay alive. Uh, You're just trying to get a little breath, get something to pump some air into your lungs to revive you. Keep fighting. Uh, Keep trying to get it because you know that it was worth it. Don't give up on what you're fighting for. Um, How bad do you want it? Uh, In closing, how bad do you want him? Uh, How bad do we want our God? 
Uh, our, a few weeks ago, we had our fall retreat. And at our fall retreat, Taft is our outreach minister. He shows up uh, on Sunday morning to do our worship. Um, and when he got up there, uh, he starts to talk, and he gets into his lesson. And I'm in the back, and I'm holding Marley, uh, who's Taft's two-and-a-half, almost three-year-old daughter. Uh, I'm holding Marley, uh, and Taft says a prayer at one point. And as we're standing up, and he's saying this prayer, Marley, I look, and she's, she's looking up and just staring at him. And she catches my eye. She says, Bo Daddy. That's what she calls me. I says, Bo Daddy. That's my daddy. Uh, and the look in her eyes, when she looked up there, and she saw her dad. And, of course, it was this two-year-old moment where it was a good thing I had a grip on her because that was her daddy, and she would have been with her daddy if she had had her choice. Uh, but then I look over, and right next to me, I see my little girl. I see my little girl with Chelsea. And I see Presley, and I think, that's my child. Uh, and I think about the relationship with our God and with us. And when it comes to the prodigal son, probably most of the time we struggle with this because uh, we probably relate more easily with the other son, uh, the good son. We relate with the son that stayed home. Y'all are here on the Sunday night. Uh, we relate to the son who didn't leave. He was loyal. He wasn't going anywhere. And when we has those harsh feelings at the end, we think, yeah, I get that. I understand. But then put yourself in the shoes of our father, in the shoes of our God. And as he sees his baby, his child, that every single day, as a parent, you would wait and hope that he was going to come running back into your arms. And with our God, it's the same way for us, that he waits and he hopes. And I, I think he looks at us and thinks, that's my child. Uh, over the last few days, uh, we've had a lot of heartbreak as a country. Uh, I know y'all, I'm sure, prayed about it uh, this morning. Uh, that, that it's something that was devastating that will go down in our history uh, as probably one of the most heinous crimes ever committed. Uh, something that nobody uh, is able to wrap their minds around, uh, is able to understand and Chelsea and I, we got back in late last night, uh, and, and we drove up here this morning, and we were, a special was on uh, about the Connecticut shootings already, uh, and I was watching, it was on CBS, maybe some of y'all saw it, uh, and it was, it was on, and it, and it was emotional, uh, and I was watching it, and I was getting it, uh, and it was hurting, but then we stood up, and we started to finish our last minute packing, get ready to load the car up, and as we were doing this, I look up, and I look at the screen, and they started scrolling names. And I, I, I don't know about y'all, but it, it was real to me before. But when you see the name of somebody's child, and now I know that they've released the pictures and you've seen the pictures of somebody's child who had waited for him out that side of the school that day. Waited for him to come running into their arms with hope and to know the heartbreak that they felt. You see, our God, he's rejoiced. He rejoices when we come running into his arms. But our God is a father that sits and waits and hopes for us to come running out towards him again, no matter what you've done, uh, no matter how you failed in the past. Uh, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want him? Uh, there's a lot to be upset about, a lot to be confused about right now. But one thing not to be confused about is that God is the way and that we're the light, and there's not a better time right now for those people, for people that are hurting over this, uh, to need you in their life to be able to shine a little light 
in the darkest of times. And maybe tonight uh, you need something. I don't know what that is. If you, if you need prayers from the church or if you're ready to show, uh, to commit to God just how bad you want him and give your life over to him. If we can help you in any way at all, would you come as we sing?